Well, would you look at that? We're back recording the pod. Hello and welcome back to Bites of History. I'm so happy to be back with you. Thank you for being so understanding of that very like surprising hiatus that we took. What was that about? I'll tell you what, the last couple months of my life have been cuckoo banana town USA crazy population me and a bunch of other people. I quit a job. I started a pop-up. Gotcha Focaccia, if you are looking for the most delicious bread in Los Angeles County, check that out. I am moving. There is so much stuff happening, but more importantly than anything, fall is here. Can you tell by the 95 degree weather outside my window? Of course not. But Can you tell by the calendar saying it's September? Do you guys remember the calendar stuff like in elementary school when they would change the month and each month had its own little like icons like September was pumpkins and leaves and October was like bats and witches and candy and like February's hearts. I'll try to find a picture and put them up because I love those. Those are so nostalgic for me. Anyway, it is fall and I couldn't think of a better way to restart the podcast than by telling you guys the history of pumpkin spice. Have you ever wondered how it made it to your table? Have you ever wondered how it made it to your shelf? If you love food, then this is the show for you. Bites of History with Irene. Of course, before anything else, we need to thank our wonderful patrons for everyone who has stuck around in the Patreon and just stayed supporting. It is so special to me. It means the world to me. If you guys would like to become a Patreon member, you can check that out at patreon.com slash Irene Walton. We have a lot of fun. We put up monthly affirmations. We have a ton of live streams. We hang out. It's such a wonderful time. I love my Patreon community so very much. And of course, another huge thank you to my sources. I could not have done this podcast without the help of foodandwine.com, history.com, stories.starbucks.com, and wideopencountry.com. To start off the history of pumpkin spice, we need to kind of dive into what that name means. Pumpkin spice, what is that? Where is it coming from? It's so important to give credit where credit is due. Native and indigenous people of the North and South Americas had pumpkins growing for centuries before any colonizers came over and took that and brought it back to Europe, uh, took that gourd and brought it back to Europe. So pumpkins have been around in a, a multitude of ways and varieties for hundreds and hundreds of years being cultivated as a means of nutrients and food by the native and indigenous people of the northeastern part of what we now know as the United States of America. Now, it is believed, though, that when the colonizers did come over from Europe and the English were bringing some of their traditions uh, over to the indigenous and native people, that they brought their like deep roots in pie making because the like Europeans have been making pies for a long, long time, crusted things that have savory or sweet items in them. So when the Native Americans introduced the English colonizers to the uh, uh, pumpkin, they were like, we could throw this in a pie, I bet, because that's what they did with a lot of stuff. So that's where we're creating like the first pumpkin pie. But of course, as I'm sure you can imagine, this is not the pumpkin pie we're imagining that we are making with our family during the fall that we get from Costco, that we pick up from a local bakery. It's not quite there yet, but this is the origination of that. I want to pronounce it properly, and I'm so scared that I won't, but I'm going to try my best. So when the colonizers came over from England, 
on the Mayflower and they brought their pie making traditions to the Native Americans. The main tribe that was helping these people, I believe, was pronounced the Wampanoag or the Wampanoag. And if I'm mispronouncing that, I do apologize. But they were integral in a, a multitude of things, but in introducing the English to the vegetables of the time. So when we think about pumpkin pie being a Thanksgiving tradition, it really kind of was at the first Thanksgiving with the combination of the English pie making and the Native American fall veg vegetables, vegetation, vegetables, gourds. Now, in France and England in the 1600s, we see pumpkin pies starting to pop up as well. So while they're happening in the New Americas, they're also starting to happen in England and France and Europe. Sometimes they have a crust. Sometimes they are made in the actual like hollowed out pumpkin. But again, it's not really getting to the point that we know our pumpkin pie today. But you can see in these pumpkin pies that they were spiced. They did have something going on in it besides just like liquefied pumpkin. Now, pumpkin pie quickly became a part of Thanksgiving traditions in New England. So much so that in 1705 in Colchester, Connecticut, Thanksgiving got pushed back a week because not enough molasses had been secured for the pumpkin pies. So if there weren't pumpkin pies, there wasn't Thanksgiving. Now you're thinking, okay, when do we see the pumpkin pie we know today? That's a great question. Stop yelling at me, though. We first see the closest version to our pumpkin pie way back when in 1796 in what's widely regarded as the first American cookbook. It's called American Cookery by Amelia Simmons. This cookbook is a crazy part of American history. I think we should do a whole episode on it. If you would like that, please let me know down below in the comments or in the reviews. While we're at it, middle of the podcast, I'm not letting you skip this part. If you wouldn't mind leaving me a five-star review, I know that's kind of a lot to ask after I haven't put up a podcast in like two months, but that would be really nice. So if you're on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, if you wouldn't mind just giving me a five stars and a review, that would be amazing. As long as you think this podcast is worth five stars, I certainly think it is. I hope you do too. Anyway, back to pumpkin pie. Now, a really amazing part of pumpkin pie is that it actually found itself in the abolitionist movement in the late, late 1700s, early 1800s, when slavery was still rampant in America. Pumpkin pie was this Northeastern staple. And since so many Northeasterners were abolitionists, it was in a lot of the literature, a lot of the poetry as like something to look forward to once slavery was done as like this nice grand, like we'll all be able to have Thanksgiving together and share pumpkin pie. Everything will be okay. I actually want to read a quote to you from history.com, which is quoting the amazing Lydia Maria Child. Lydia Maria Child wrote her famous poem about a New England Thanksgiving that began, quote, over the river and through the wood, quote, and ended with a shout quote, hurrah for pumpkin pie, quote, again, from history.com. So thank you for that. So this was pumpkin pie was already becoming this big American tradition. Abraham Lincoln decides in 1863 that Thanksgiving is a national holiday on the third Thursday of every November. And it starts getting write ups like crazy. The cut the like, most common recipes associated with Thanksgiving are being spread around in women's magazines and newspapers around the time of Thanksgiving. So pumpkin pie is being spread even further than it originally was. So obviously we couldn't talk about pumpkin spice without talking about pumpkin pies because that's how it all started. So let's get into the spice of it all. Now in the earliest recipes that we find of pumpkin pie, there were spices. Like in Amelia Simmons's American cookery recipe, there was allspice and ginger. And in other recipes, 
there were ginger and nutmeg. And here and there, they definitely spiced it, but just not quite to the extent that we like our pumpkin pie spiced today. Now, around the time that Libby's Meat Canning Company starts canning pumpkin in 1929, we start to see something really amazing happen just a couple years later. And if you're thinking Libby's Meat Canning, and you're also thinking Libby's Canned Pumpkin, that is what they're known for now. This is that same Libby's. How cool is that? I love food history so much. Oh my gosh. So Libby's comes out with the canned pumpkin. It does wildly well. It's saving home bakers, home cooks, hours and hours and hours of roasting the pumpkin, scooping it out, straining the pumpkin, cleaning it up. It's a lifesaver. I always, always, always use Libby's. It's my favorite. So a couple of years after Libby starts saving cooks and home bakers, a ton of time, Thompson and Taylor Spice Company comes out with a blend of pumpkin pie spices. So they're also saving home bakers and home cooks a lot of money. This is in 1933. So only four years after Libby comes out with their canned pumpkin, a spice company comes out with a pumpkin pie spice blend. Thompson and Taylor's originally had nine spices in it, which is a lot. But again, that's all in one little convenient package for bakers to use. Only a year after Thompson and Taylor put out their pumpkin pie spice blend with nine spices, in 1934, McCormick and Company puts out a pumpkin pie spice blend with four spices, nutmeg, allspice, ginger, and cinnamon. These both save home bakers a ton of time and a lot of money instead of having to source and buy four, five, nine different spices. It's all in one convenient package. So now we've gone decades and decades and decades with the pumpkin pie spice being readily available, easy to use, super, super convenient for home bakers and home cooks to pick up at the store and use in their fall recipes. Mazel tov, we love that, incredible. And there's really no way to tell if one of those home cooks, home bakers took some of that pumpkin pie spice and maybe put it into their coffee one day, mixed it around and created the first pumpkin pie spice latte in the world. Who knows? But the man that we have to thank for the pumpkin spice wash wave era, whatever you want to call it, is Peter Dukes. We're going to get into the story of the PSL, the pumpkin spice latte, how he created it and what happened. I'm glad we're doing this episode right now because it's the 20th anniversary of the pumpkin spice latte this year. The first pumpkin spice latte that we see come out of Starbucks and anywhere for that matter commercially is in 2003. If you guys remember from the Starbucks episode, Starbucks wasn't always a making coffee in store, but once they were, it was not really like this specialty coffee that we know them for today or like specialty types of drinks that we know them for today. It wasn't until 2002 that they came out with their first ever seasonal beverage, and that was for the winter, and they came out with the peppermint mocha latte. Now, that did really well. People really liked the idea of a seasonal flavor that, and I'm, you know, and I'm sure Starbucks liked the idea that they were now creating new memories associated with a flavor and a smell that brought customers back to Starbucks that following year, and potentially for the new seasons to come, which we, as we know now, 20 years later, they definitely capitalize on. But it was Peter Duke's job to come up with a fall flavor for the 2003 autumn season. Months before autumn happens, of course, they have to start brainstorming. Now, what they do on the seventh floor of the Seattle corporate Starbucks office is start to brainstorm. They come in with hundreds 
of fall flavor ideas, Peter Dukes and his team. They put them all on the wall. They're writing them down. They're brainstorming. Apparently, a bunch of people brought in like super cute fall decorations, which I could only imagine this was happening in like, you know, February or something. So it's like Valentine's Day, but they have like a scarecrow in the corner. Love that. So they have hundreds of ideas. They narrow it down to about 20. And then with those 20, they send out customer surveys like, hey, here are some potential ideas for fun autumn flavors. What do you guys think would be the best ones? Now, chocolate and caramel were the common front runners for this autumny kind of rich, delicious, fun new drink idea. But surprisingly, pumpkin was way, way up there. Like they didn't think that pumpkin was a good idea at all. But customers were rating it really high on the uniqueness factor. And so Starbucks was like, okay, you want something different? You want to try something new? We can do that. Let's go with pumpkin. Let's be crazy. So then Starbucks continued with what I'm sure everybody who is listening, one of their dream jobs is, which is like tasting this new drink and how it's going to work and what it's going to be like. So they're having a sip of espresso and then a bite of pumpkin pie to figure out what spice is best to enhance the coffee, what sweetness level they want, like how to incorporate pumpkin in a real way. And they do a great job and they come up with the fall harvest latte that we all know and love. Oh, sorry. Of course, that's not the name. (laughs) They had that slated to be the name for this drink because they were like, oh, it's autumn. We'll, you know, focus on that and whatever. The reason they didn't use the name Fall Harvest Latte was because it simply wasn't showcasing the pumpkininess of this drink enough. Because they had such a unique flavor, they definitely wanted to focus more on that. So they came up with the pumpkin spice latte. In the autumn of 2003, they roll out the pumpkin spice latte to 100 stores in the Washington, D.C. and Vancouver, B.C. area of Canada. Because it wouldn't make sense to test a new menu item in every single store. It's going to be a waste of money in case it doesn't do well, whatever. So Starbucks only rolls out the pumpkin spice latte to a hundred stores. And when they're calling in the managers to, when the corporate is calling to the managers of those stores to be like, Hey, how's that new drink doing? Are people liking the pumpkin spice latte? It said that like the Starbucks corporate Uh, executives can hear the excitement in the manager's voice like, it's doing great. Oh my gosh, it's going so well. Everybody loves it. People are coming back day in and day out to get this drink again. They love it. So immediately Starbucks is like, that's awesome. We love this. And the next year they roll it out to all Starbucks locations. Now, in the spirit of Starbucks, like we all know, they're changing their menu so frequently, so regularly, and that's because they want to keep things new and exciting. If something's not working great, they want to bring something new in. But they were like, okay, cool. The pumpkin spice latte did awesome for like four years. We're probably going to take it off the menu. But thankfully, this is in like 2007-ish where Twitter has just been invented. Facebook is just starting out too. And people are sharing their love of the pumpkin spice latte. And Starbucks is now, obviously, it's a huge corporation. They're going to be on these social medias as well. They're seeing how much people love the pumpkin spice latte, posting it on early, early social media, sharing their love for it. And they're like, well, shit, okay, we'll just keep it around every fall forever. And they have. And they most certainly have. And I, here's the gag. I'm not the biggest pumpkin spice fan in the world. I'm very like medium on it. I'll probably get like two every fall. But I know some people that it came out, it got rolled out on like August 24th or something, I think this year. And I knew people who got it that day. And I know people that are probably going to get it every single day until it's gone. And I love that. I love that it brings people so much joy. I think it's such a dumb thing to make fun of people who like them. I think that that's 
really lovely that somebody gets to enjoy something per season. Like, how sweet is that? Um, And just as a fun little sidebar, I wanted to share with you some of the crazy things that have also become pumpkin spice throughout the years as this Starbucks flavor has kind of permeated the food, beverage, and beyond industries. So there are pumpkin spice Twinkies, candy corn, Pringles, hummus, burgers, coffee creamers, Spam, Peeps, toothpaste, soap, deodorant, shampoo, protein shakes, hot chocolate, a million other things. I'm sure when you guys go to the grocery store next, you're going to see a bunch of pumpkin spice stuff. So that is the history of pumpkin spice. I hope you loved learning about it. I loved learning about it and I couldn't wait to tell you. Thank you again for your patience on this little hiatus that we've been in for Bites of History. I can't wait to move. I can't wait to show you the new space. This is the only part of my room that's still kind of like a little decorated. You can see this like thing is totally done, whatever. Thank you for being here. I love you so much. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe if you're watching the YouTube video. And again, if you wouldn't mind leaving a five-star comment, five-star review, and a comment if you are listening on a podcasting platform. Happy autumn. I'll see you guys soon. Bye.